0: Yeah, I'm not Mark. Uh, My name is Ryan and I'm the uh, pastor of college students and mobilization here, but absolutely missed you guys last week. It was certainly not the same. Enjoyed Mark um, and and encouraging us online, but it's not the same. um, Certainly at all. It's funny though, Jim, I was talking to Jim this morning and he said, I was supposed to preach last week and he said, yeah, you know, did you switch up anything? I'm like, I switched up a lot. I'm like, I'm glad it got canceled last week. Cause you already got a terrible sermon last week. Um, I don't know <laughs> That's, I'm exaggerating a bit, but, uh, um, there some truth to that. There were some parts where I'm like, what did this didn't even make sense. Um, and then Cole called, Cole told me that this week in residency, he said, being that you've got a whole nother week to prepare, I expect a, a knockout, a, a really good sermon. So I have no excuses today. All right. Um, I've got a word from the Lord and it better be good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, just thankful again to be here. Um, I'm going to pray for us and we'll get started. Father, again, we just praise your name and uh, are so thankful for what you've done for us and for bringing us here today. I thank you for um, all you have brought here. I pray that our... Hearts would be in tune to what your word has to say. I pray, as always, you would use me um, as a, just a, an instrument for you uh, to proclaim your, your name today. And I pray that you would be honored and glorified through the speaking or the preaching of the Word in Jesus name. Amen. So it's been a couple weeks. We're in Galatians. We're in Galatians chapter five. we're getting towards the end here, and I'm going to kind of bring you up the speed a little bit. The title of the series is "In Step with the Spirit." And this is really the first week where we're really going to give special attention to the Holy Spirit and the work of the Spirit. I would say um, the Holy Spirit is really the underlying factor throughout the book of Galatians. And he's the underlying factor in consistent habitual obedience in the Christian life. So to bring you up to speed a little bit, the whole theme, I think, really of Galatians, I think you could sum the theme of the entire book in my opinion, at least is, is Christ's work is enough or all we need to be right with God, both eternally and presently. And you'll hear me say that a few different times today. So Christ's work is all we need to be right with God, both eternally and also presently. So for the first four chapters, roughly four chapters of Galatians, Paul challenged the churches to recognize their freedom in Christ. They were living by the law and it was performance based. And I've got to do a bunch of things to be, to have favor with God. And he was challenged them against that. And then we see it turn in chapter five, I probably need to get to Galatians here. We see that turn and flip in chapter five, where he focuses on living in the freedom. First, it was like, don't live performance. Like now live in your freedom. So chapter five, he turns and he talks about what that means living in freedom Uh, the way we've defined that, what freedom is, biblical freedom, is no longer having to save yourself. No longer having to save yourself. So there's no work, whether that's positive or negative, that you can do to earn God's favor or disfavor. Nothing you can do. His favor as a believer, his favor is fully upon you if you know him, if you have a relationship with Christ. And that's because of Jesus. And and therefore, what he's saying now, he shifted in chapter 5, and what he's saying really in chapter 5 is enjoy it by serving others, by living outwardly, by modeling the gospel, by modeling the cross. But here's a problem. So the two challenges, really, with freedom, and we kind of hit on this a couple weeks ago, was we're extremists by nature. We're naturally extremists, and then we can abuse that freedom that we have in Christ, And so verse 13 in chapter five, it says, for you were called to be free brothers and sisters only don't use this as an opportunity, this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but instead serve one another through love. So I've got, I think I've got a slide on this. It's like a a spectrum thing. There we go. I don't know. Hopefully you can see that. I, I don't know if not. So on one end of the spectrum, and this is where the Galatians were. It's we struggle with performance and I've got to do a bunch of good things to earn God's favor, for me. So I I need to earn it. But then what we do is we, we, we hear a message that I spoke on last time about adoption. I'm adopted in Christ. I have all the blessings in Christ and live in that and enjoy it and love it. And then we slide to this other end of the spectrum where it's like, I'm going to abuse that favor. I'm free in Christ. There's no condemnation for me. Therefore I can just live and do what I want. And the Christian life, oftentimes what I've seen with Christians and in my own life is we're like sliding from scale to scale. I'm going to start dancing for you here. Like that's, and that's what we do. And we don't know that in between and we're all or nothing. So you can hear a message on being adopted in Christ and being redeemed and forgiven. And it's like, that's awesome. And then we go, we don't know how to live in that. And that's where it gets really hard. So there's these two ends of the spectrum. So an example of uh, abusing the favor of God would be, if I am forgiven and my sin has no effect, and this is true, on my eternal standing with God, then I can just sin. Because I'm going to be forgiven. That would be abusing freedom. And so, if we're honest with ourselves, that, that's really hard. Like, I fall into that category a lot. It's a challenge. So, what is the solution to that? I'll go ahead and give you the answer. The solution is walking by the Spirit. All right. And that's what we're going to talk about. So there's really two halves to the sermon today. Similar to the last one I told you guys last time, I'm really bad at the note thing telling you the outline that you, you got a copy of that. Hopefully there's two halves of the sermon. I'm giving you the answers right now. It's know yourself and know Christ. So the first half of the sermon, we're going to focus on knowing yourself. And what we're going to talk about is the internal battle we face as believers the internal battle that we, that we wrestle with and we fight the good that we want to do, but we just struggle and we can't ever do it. And it's really, really hard. And then the solution is knowing Jesus, knowing Christ. And we're going to explain what that means on a day-to-day basis. So I would say my goal for us by the end of this service is, is to learn or to know how to experience intimacy with Christ versus just having an idea of Christ on paper, like this sounds really good. It it makes sense to me, but that that's, I think that's a lot of Christians. I want us to to learn and know how to experience Christ deeply and intimately. Okay. So know yourself. So why is it important for us to, to know ourselves? And what I mean by that is your own struggles, your deficiencies, your tendencies. Why is that important? Like, why would we want to know ourselves and how we, how we, what makes us tick and how we act? I would say very simply in, in a sec, secular sense, it's because we desire success. Nothing wrong with that. Like I need to know what I'm not good at and my weaknesses and then what I am good at. And it helps me to succeed in, in life. I think of, um, since it's football season, I think of the New England Patriots. I'm probably going to not uh, earn some fans here. I actually am one of those few that really loved the New England Patriots. Um, there we go. There we go. Um, I loved them when they had Tom Brady and now I've kind of followed Tom Brady. Um, I, I still like them, All right. But one thing that always, they, I mean, if you're not a sports fan, it's fine. New England basically dominated football for 20 years. And it's just unheard of to be able to do that. And what's crazy with New England is they were never really the most talented team, but you don't, you see interviews and their players were, I mean, it was always, we knew our roles and we knew our weaknesses and we knew what we we're good at. And we did it, and we did it well. <clears throat> and that, that always fascinated that always fascinated me. Um, and they were always so successful. And that's what I think of when I think of desiring success and knowing our tendencies and knowing what we're good at in a biblical sense, it's, sh- it should be because we desire fruit. We desire to know Christ deeply. That is why I want to know the battle I'm in and the fight that I'm in. I'm in ultimately is because I want to know Jesus. Now, whether you understand that or not, that has to be the end goal. I think of a great passage of scripture for this is Philippians three, specifically, specifically verse eight, where Paul says, I've counted everything as lost for the sake of knowing Christ. Like he basically says, I've counted as rubbish. I counted as dung, which is manure. I don't, I don't care about anything, but knowing Jesus Christ and my life is, is to know him and to know him deeply. And that's all I care about that. That is a prayer of mine. And I hope that's a prayer of yours. So, but to do that, he has to know, we have to know what we're up against. I think of Luke thirteen four, forty-one, And I think there's the, a slide for this one as well. And Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he's talking about the cost of following Christ cost of following himself. And he says, what King would go to war against another King without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. If you're leading an army of 10,000 and you know, you're going against an army of 20,000, would you just run, walk into the war? Not thinking, (laughs) of course not. You would sit down and you contemplate and you would strategize and you would pray. You would think of how in the world am I and my army of 10,000 going to defeat the army of 20,000? And I think that's often the way Christians are. We are reactive rather than proactive. We just respond to what's going on and then we get mixed up in this whirlwind of life and it's really, really, really hard and it's really difficult. And I would ask, like, do we realize what we're up against? Why would we not contemplate this internal battle we're facing? I had a friend uh, one time and I thought this was pretty profound. Um, Maybe it's not, but he said, I can't remember what we're talking about, but he basically asked me, do you believe in spiritual warfare? Like, you know, angels, demons, and Satan and is attacking us. And as believers, I said, of course I do. Ephesians six clearly speaks to that. Of course I do. And he said, what would you do? How would it change how you lived? If you could physically see it happening? I would, it's pretty simple, but it would change a lot and it shouldn't, but it would change a lot. Like I would be preparing. Like I, had, I mean, I would never prepared before. If I could physically see what's about to happen to me today. And we are up against a battle, and we'll see that today. So turning your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, we're going to read verses 16 through 21. And really, the, the, we're going to mainly focus on verses 16 and 17 today. So I'm going to read um, the entire text, and we'll come back to 16. And really focus on 17 says, I say, then walk by the spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what's against the spirit and the spirit desires what's against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So again, here, Paul wanted the Galatians to recognize their tendencies and then to know how to overcome them. But when we go back up to verse 17, what we see says, for the flesh desires what's against the spirit... That's the Holy Spirit that's living within us, and the Spirit desires what's against the flesh. These two are opposed to each other, so you don't do what you want. So very simply, your flesh has desires, and we've defined flesh as inherited nature. So we'll see here in a second, Romans 7 describes our flesh as sin that lives in us. Like, I am a believer in Christ, but I still have sin that lives in me, and I will have sin that lives in me till the day I die and meet Christ. So I am living in my flesh right now. My spirit also has desires. So our spirit is Christ in us. That is, I have new desires. One way I describe it is I am now hardwired to think outwardly, to, to think selflessly versus selfishly. Now, whether I do it all the time is one thing, but because I'm in Christ and I have a, a relationship with Christ, he hardwires us as believers to think outwardly and to love others. So have these new desires, and here's the problem with that, though. It's pretty obvious. These two desires compete against each other. The two, the, the two desires compete and it creates a massive problem. So we're going to look at the battle and then we're going to look at how to be successful in that battle. First, again, we have to know what we're up against. What is that battle like? And then how do I beat it? How do I overcome that battle and find success in that? So we're going to be mainly in Romans. We'll, we'll be back and forth, but Romans 7. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. R- Romans chapter 7, 14 through 25, describes the, the spirit and the flesh battle in depth, and that 's what i 'm going to spend most of the time here so we 're going to spend most time in Romans seven and then into eight, but it 's really describing verse sixteen and seventeen in Galatians five if that helps and before we get into the seven uh, verses fourteen through twenty five in Romans seven, look at chapter six and it's let 's see it 's verse twelve Paul is basically saying in Romans kind of what we talked about earlier in Romans 6, it's, sh- should, I just li- should I just live in sin now that I'm forgiven and I- there's grace and mercy upon me? And he says, by no means, of course not. And then he starts talking about this battle we're in. In verse 12, he says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its passions and do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. All right. So in 12, he's saying, we we clearly see that our mortal body and our flesh has desires. We know that. And he is saying, don't let it rain, kill it. All right. And I would say seven, 14 through 25 is describing that battle in depth. So I do think, and there's debate on this, but I do think Romans seven is clearly the believer. It's clearly talking about a believer in Christ. I would even go as far as to say it's, it's a growing believer in Christ. All right. So verse 14, In Romans 7, Paul is saying, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold as a slave to sin. So the law reflects God's character. This is a good way to remember what the law is. It just reflects who God is. The problem is when I walk up against the law and all this stuff I have to do, I can't do it. I fail. I fall short every single time. And it shows that I am in the flesh and I need a savior. The law points me to the savior. That's all he's saying there. Verse 15, for I do not understand what I'm doing. Because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the the law is good. So now, I am no longer the one doing it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now, if I do what I...a lot of do's here. Now, if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one that does it, but is the sin that lives in me. It's my flesh, is what he's saying. So I discover this, this law. When I want to do what is good, evil is present with me. For in my inner self, I delight in God's law but I see a different law in the parts of my body waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body of death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We'll stop right there. So it's pretty obvious here. He repeats himself and he summarizes different things in this passage. Here's what I do here's what we can say I think we can all agree on this. We can conclude a few different things from this passage and here they are. So the first one is Paul is facing a confusing seemingly impossible battle. And he's confused. It's really hard and this it, it, when you read it it seems like how on earth can I overcome this battle? The second thing we see is that, that Paul has the desire to make the right choices, but he doesn't have the ability or the power to carry it out. Again that creates a problem. I want to do good, but I just can't. I just keep struggling and I keep falling. I think we conclude there. Paul hates his flesh. And I don't think, I think that, I I don't think that's strong. He says, what a wretched man that I am. What an awful person I am. I keep falling and I keep struggling and I cannot do it. And which leads to the second half of that verse. Who's going to rescue me from this body of death? Who's going to deliver me? How do I overcome this struggle? And I think out of that we can also conclude that this describes the Galatians as well as well as us because we still live in the flesh. Galatians two twenty he speaks to that. I'm still living in this body and I live. He just says it a little differently there, but he says I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But the faith that he's living in is only is only able he's only able to do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. I remember the first time I think I heard this passage. And it was weird because it was one of the most comforting passages ever to me. I was dealing with certain sins in my life. And I'm like, I can't be a believer. Like this is, I just keep struggling. It's it's one thing after another. It's the same thing again and again, every week or every other day or whatever it is. Again and again and again. And there was comfort. It's almost like the misery loves company thing. Like, man, I'm not the only one. Praise God for that. And Paul struggled with it as well. And church, that should be encouraging for us. Again, I, I think this is the, the growing believer here. But the fact that you actually do hate your sin and you do care. I'm not saying it's okay to live there. I do think it's, it's I think we're to, to seek to overcome that. I think there's hope. Um, but if you're, a, if you're a believer that is just wrestling and that you hate your sin and it's hard, I want to encourage you in that. I, I, I love that you hate your sin. I think that's good, but there was, there was comfort in this passage for me the first time I heard it, but then there's frustration because I'm like, yeah, but what's, it's, I'm still struggling with this. And I would go back to Romans seven again and again and again. I read it and it, it provided some comfort here and there. And it was just really hard. So there was comfort in it. There's also frustration But my problem was, um, and I'll just be honest. I didn't like the answer of, and I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I didn't like the answer of thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. I'm like, how is that the answer? Like that might be the answer eventually, but how is that the answer right now? Like that doesn't help me right now. I mean, I I honestly would say that, but there is. So what we can conclude with this in this passage is Paul's confused. He's facing an impossible battle. He has no power or ability to win it. He's absolutely frustrated and he's desperate. If you're feeling adventurous today, go listen to Monster by Skillet. Um, I hope you don't think any less of me after you listen to it. It kind of describes this battle. And I, I like that because like, I do feel at times like I'm battling a monster. And it's why I prepare so hard for the battle every morning because I know the monster of Ryan is going to rear its ugly head at some point. I'll give you an, an honest example. Uh I'm in my quiet time, my, my time in the word every morning. The way I do it, I read five chapters a day like every day. And i just read the same ones for a whole month. So I'm in uh 1st Corinthians 11 through 16. And in that chap in in that section there's chapter 13. And if you know 1st Corinthians 13, uh it's the love chapter. And so this week or this month I'm, I'm having to read and face first Corinthians 13 every single day, pretty much every single day. And I'm reading love is patient. Love is kind. I'm, I'm reading love is not self-seeking and you know what happens. And I'm, and you can ask my wife, I always use her us as an example, but she gives me a hard time for it. But you, you know what happens? I, I can't do it. Like I struggle. And, Yes, I'm not an awful husband, I don't think at least. And I'm hoping, I hope I'm succeeding there more than I'm failing. But man, like there have been so many times the past month in reading that text where I'm like, I cannot do that. Like as much as I read it and then a moment happens where I just lose it and I get upset or I get frustrated or I say something I shouldn't. And I'm like, I can't. And it's so frustrating and it's so hard. Does this describe you? Like, you don't have to know you will do anything. I'm going to guess that it does describe you. And I'm going to guess I'm not the only person in America that's fighting this. <laughs> and if I am, I need your help. I, I, and I know it's not. I know I, I talked to so many people that know this is a battle. And so my question is to myself and to you guys, like, what do we do with that? What do we do with that reality? Well, I'll share with you. Here's the answer. According to Paul in verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That sounds great. Like I'll be honest and maybe this is wrong. Like that sounds really good. But like sometimes I'm like, what, but yeah, what does that, what does that mean? Well, my problem when I used to study this passage, I honestly, I didn't go into chapter eight. (laughs) He just continues in chapter eight and chapter eight is, is a, to me, it's one of my favorite passages in all scripture in terms of the Books or chapters in the Bible, I think Romans 8, it might be my favorite. So let's read into chapter 8, and this is knowing Christ. So the solution, I'll give you the, the solution is knowing Christ. He's the answer. What does that mean? Therefore, verse 1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. I think of all the people's testimonies I've heard, more than even John 3:16, I've heard this verse be used in people's lives. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation is a judicial word that is the opposite of justification. So justification is Ryan, your savior declared righteous. A a good way to remember justification is it's just as if I had never sinned. Justification. You may have heard that. The opposite or the flip side of that, because a lot of times we'll stop there. It's he sees me as just as if I had never sinned. That's, That's pretty amazing. I'm declared righteous, justified. But if, but if it's just as I, if I had never sinned, it's also just as if I had always obeyed. Have you ever thought about that? Like a lot of times we don't come to Christ because we don't realize who we are, our standing in Christ. I don't realize that I'm justified. It's like, well, he treats me as, as if I've never sinned. Like that's pretty wild. But he also treats me as, as, as if I had always obeyed. Like if you were perfect, you would go to Christ boldly. That's why he co- tells us to come to Christ boldly through through the cross. We, that's why we pray in Jesus' name because I'm praying through Jesus, not because of what I've done. I pray in Jesus' name because of His work for me. Therefore, I can boldly go to Him. You, he, if you're a believer, he, is, he treats you as you as if you've obeyed perfectly, despite what you did last night. It's pretty pretty wild. Condemnation's the other side of that. It declares you guilty. Like you are guilty. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. There's no sweeter truth than that. No sin can be held against the believer. No sin can be held against the believer. So then I'll ask the question again. But how do I experience that every day? How do I just, I know that here, but how do I experience that here? Here's an important truth. I'm going to keep saying Jesus has saved us eternally. He has saved us eternally, but he's saving us presently. Jesus has saved us eternally, but he's also saving us present. Here's what's interesting about Romans 7, 25. He's speaking in the present. He's saying he is in this battle. He is in this war. He is in this struggle. And he's saying, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's that is his comfort in the moment. That should be comforting to us. He's not saying, while this is true, don't get me wrong. He's not saying, I just got to wait till heaven till I experience joy and comfort. Now that is true. We will experience joy. That is uh, immeasurable joy. We won't even know how to describe it. That is true. We still are living in the flesh, but I don't think he, Paul is saying, I just got to wait eventually to get to heaven to experience joy. He's saying right now. Jesus is the answer. So both eternally, yes, and presently, he's the answer. Now, here's what's interesting. In Romans, the the book of Romans, chapter 1 through 7, the Holy Spirit is mentioned one time. One time. In chapter 8, he's mentioned close to 20 times. So we better pay attention. Why? Why the Spirit? So the big question then that we come down to is how do I find success or joy in the Romans 7 battle? I'll call it the Roman seven battle. Here's your answer walking in the spirit. And we explain that. So the Holy spirit is God. He's the third person of the Trinity. He is not a force or an impersonal power. He's a person and he is God. And so we're going to look at the role of the Holy spirit. And oftentimes you'll see, when you look into the Holy spirit, you'll see like bullet pointed lists of who he is and his qualities or his attributes. And all that's good. I mean, you'll see things like he saves us, he convicts us, he empowers us, he leads us. Romans 8 talks about how he intercedes for us when we pray. That's really comforting. There's times where I'm like, I just don't know what to pray. Like this is like, you know my heart, Lord. Um, he guides us into truth. So you see a lot of a list of him. And sometimes it's hard to understand, like, what does that mean to me personally? I'm going to seek to condense that to, to help us out a little bit. I would say he enables us to experience and know Christ deeply. The spirit enables us to, to experience and know Jesus deeply. He exalts Christ within. He helps me to know Jesus as a person, not some idea. So Jesus is the answer eternally, but he's also the answer presently. Dane Ortland said, he says, the, the spirit takes what we read in the Bible And believe on paper about Jesus' heart. And he moves it from theory to reality. From doctrine, which is a belief, to experience. So when I read the word, I'm not reading paper. The spirit makes this come to life within me. From not just a doctrine, a set of beliefs. It's also experience as well. And I'm living in that. I would, I would summarize that and say the spirit applies the gospel to every situation I face. I'm going to seek to explain that the key verse here is Romans eight, 12 through 13 says, he says, so then this is talking about the role of the spirit. So then brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to live to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Huh, that would have been nice to know when I was reading that verse 15 years ago. Just keep reading, Ryan. We're not obligated to live to the flesh or to the flesh to live according to the flesh because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. Now here's the key part. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The spirit helps us kill sin, put it to death, and then he gives life. I'll say that again. The Spirit helps us to kill my sin, and then He gives me life when I kill my sin. What does that remind you of? The gospel. Every situation I face, no matter how massive it is or how silly it is, do I wanna, I mean, this is ridiculous, but do I wanna brush my teeth tonight? Well, I'm, I'm killing my own desire to brush my teeth, which I should take care of my body. Or the tragedy that you're facing. I want to doubt him because I'm facing tragedy. Kill my trust in myself and newness of life. That's the principle of life. Death brings life. I die to myself in my marriage, and it brings my marriage life and joy. But I do what I want to do in my marriage, and it hurts and affects my marriage in a bad way. The spirit helps you kill sin, and he gives you life. Every, every dilemma that you face in life is the spirit seeking to apply the gospel to you. And when you, when he applies the gospel to real life situations, you start experiencing Jesus You're like this, the gospel's real to me. I know it. So I'll give you a couple of examples of this. I'll go, I'll, I'll throw myself out there first. I'll give you my first Corinthians 13 problem. It's easy for me to say, and this is, I still fight this, and I used to do this all the time. I would read 1 Corinthians 13, and I'd say, I'm seeking you, Lord. I'm reading my Bible. I read this every day, and I pray, and I want to be good at it. But I can't do it, and I would get irritated, and I get frustrated with the Lord. Honestly, and this probably happened this week to me. What the Spirit is saying to me is, I'm giving you the opportunity to experience. Trusting in me versus trusting in yourself. If I didn't have these hard moments, I couldn't learn what it is to kill my sin and experience new life in Christ. It, he's given me opportunities to be loving by putting me around people that are unlovable. I'm not saying that's my wife, <laughs> but we all know that's where it oftentimes can be the most difficult time. But it doesn't matter. It could be a coworker. It could be a roommate. I'm looking at you college students. I understand the, the difficulties there. And I feel like 99.9% of college students have roommate issues. He's putting you in environments, whether it's a, a coworker, a family member, he's putting you in environments so that you, and giving you opportunity to kill your sin, to experience life in Christ, to know Jesus, to know him deeply. So the Holy spirit this week wants, and he will continue to, he wanted to, for me to kill my own sin. To experience life in my marriage, and then ultimately life in Christ. A big one is, I'll call it besetting sins, maybe addicting sins that you guys face that I faced. Think about something like drunkenness, and alcohol, and what, how it's ruined families and ruined people's lives. And I'm not making light of these, but He puts these situations and He allows them in your life so that you can kill trust in yourself and the bottle to to rely on him, I think of, um, I think of sexual addiction, sex addictions, heterosexual, homosexual, whatever. He wants you to kill trust in yourself. He wants you to kill the feelings. Like that's, that's reality, right? Like just because we're such a feelings generation, feelings society, just because it feels good doesn't mean it's right. Like there's a lot of times I feel like lashing out and anger and cursing. It doesn't mean it's right to do it. It's opportunity, this is James 1, speaks to this. It is opportunity for me to be more like Jesus. So he gives me hard moments so I can experience him and know him more. And the more I experience and know him more, the more, what do I want to do? Love you over me and model the gospel. Because the gospel was Jesus came when he didn't have to. So then now I love when I don't have to. That's the depth of the gospel. And that was verses 13 through 15 in Galatians 5. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity to serve yourself. The freedom I receive in Christ should be for me to love my wife, to love the students, to love the church, to care. What about things like not wanting to invest in your local church, which is we're commanded to do that. We're called to do that. We're called to be the body. I need my hand to operate correctly. My hands. I need my pinky toe. But the peaky toes missing, I'm gonna limp. We need each other, and we need to be devoted to God's church. We're called to be devoted to God's church. What about something like, and this has been my one of mine too, you, you just talk too much. Just run in your mouth all the time. And there's been so many times where I'm like, Ryan, I leave the conversation. I'm like, you just shut your mouth. Like, and it's one of those, I mean, it, maybe this is minor, but to me it's not. It's man. I talked too much. I said something I should not have said because I would not stop, stop running my mouth. And it's a sin. That's hard. I'm like, I just want to be a man of high character that listens really well. And that loves well. And I fight that. <laughs> what about you're addicted to food? It's something we don't talk about much in the church, but Hey, I have a massive sweet tooth, a massive one. And that you talk about convicting, and I just, I mean, not to say it's wrong to eat sweets, but where my body will physically like control me. And I'm fighting that. And I get angry with it at times. And it's hard. He is saying, Ryan, rely on me killed. I want to kill that off in you so you can experience me. I could go on and on. Last one I'll mention is, and this is a common one. What about apathy towards the word? Like it's just boring to you. You don't care to get in the word. It's hard and I get that. Again, I want to be sensitive and, and empathetic because I've been there before. He wants to, you to, he wants to kill trust in yourself, and he wants you to seek him daily. Trust him. It might, not ha- it might not happen immediately. Trust him. So the more we experience dying to self and newness of life, the more we experience Christ. Let me say that one more time the more we experience dying to ourselves and our own wants and our flesh and the newness of life, the more you'll experience Christ and know him as a person, not just a thought or even a truth. So we go back to the theme that I shared at the beginning. Christ's work is enough to be right with God, both eternally and presently. Jesus is the answer. Now the Holy spirit helps me to experience that reality. Now realize the Holy spirit resurrected Jesus. That, that's so his death, burial and his resurrection without the resurrection. It's, it's just pointless. That's first Corinthians 15. We can eat, drink and be merry is what first Corinthians 15 says. But because of the resurrection, we have hope. And it's why we meet. It's why we gather. It's why we care. The Holy spirit is resurrecting me every day. He's bringing me to life as I kill my sin. It's progressive, progressive sanctification is really what that's called in a a technical sense. The spirit makes Christ's work a reality within me. So the Romans seven battle is an opportunity to know Christ more. It's to know him more, embrace that battle, welcome that battle. And when you fall in that battle, God's mercy is greater. His grace is greater. So that takes us back to, uh, to Galatians five. Our yield is he says, I say, then walk by the spirit and you're not going to carry out these desires of your flesh. These, these fleshly desires are just like sitting around waiting. I feel like to, to, and it's, it's, we're to abort them. Again, that's James one as well. Abort those desires and yield to the spirit. The spirit's giving them the opportunity. He's saying, walk in the spirit. Some of your versions might say, yield to the spirit. I'm to yield to him. And when I yield and I experience Christ, that's verse 18. If you're led by the law or if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. The law is then written on my heart. I don't need a bunch of set of rules. I've got the spirit living within. So let me ask you the question. What battle are you in? Or let me ask you just more pointed or direct. What sin destroys you? What sin just destroys sins, destroy you? Consider an opportunity to know Jesus. Now I'm going to end with a warning. And I usually don't do this, but I feel that the text and the end of the text calls for that. We're ending in verse 21 and Mark gets to preach the nice stuff next week. Um, I'm just kidding, Mark. Galatians 5:19 through 21, it says, now the works of the flesh are obvious and it lists a bunch of works of the flesh. And it says that those that practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. There is a literal hell. Second Thessalonians one speaks very clearly to this. I know that doesn't sound nice, but that is truth and that is reality. And if you are someone, and a lot of times we'll say, we don't want to scare you into anything. I, I'm not seeking to do that. Obviously preaching the word here. If you are someone that is living in your sin and you are, and you don't care, You're not remorseful. You're not repentant. My heart, I worry for you. And I I would ask that you would, I I would question your salvation out of love for you. If I just said, keep doing what you, walk off the cliff, it's fine. And you die. What good is that? If you are living in your sin and you are not remorseful and you do not care, I don't know that you're saved. Now, the, the beauty in that is there is hope. And God has shown you grace in Jesus Christ. You need his work for you. I think it, it might have been Billy Graham that said something like, if, I, if just 10% of people that came to know Christ through one of my crusades or whatever, I would have be, been a satisfied preacher. It might have been him, it might have been somebody else. But I've heard that before. I'm like, man, out of the thousands and thousands of people that came to know Christ, he basically is saying, if just 10% of them were actually believers, I would be satisfied with that. Where are you at in your walk with Christ? Get it right today. We don't, we don't know that we're going to be here tomorrow. You don't know that. You don't know that. I'll be up front. Uh, Mark will be at the back if you want to talk. Um, band can come up. We're going to pray. And, um, again, you have an opportunity to know Christ more. Embrace that battle. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the cross. And because of the cross and the truth and that reality, we have hope in you. The reality though is Satan is real and he is a roaring lion and he's seeking to devour us and he seeks to devour prey that is weak as what lions do. Lord, we need to know what we're up against. We need to know the battle we're facing. We need help and it's only through the power of Christ and your spirit that lives within us that we can be successful in that. We do believe there's hope and we ask for your help. Lord, I pray that on behalf of this church, we're all struggling with many, many different things and we need you and we need your help. I pray that our church would be the church and we would love each other well and our life groups would love each other well and our different ministries for next generations would love each other well. Lord, so that we can be seen as salt and light in this world, Lord. Not so that Ryan can be seen as something special, but so that we can glorify you and lift your name up, Lord, because we know that your church is a pillar of truth according to your word. So lead us, God, help us. And lastly, thank you. Thank you for saving us. And thank you for the truth of Romans 8 1, that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.